0: Hi there, you're listening to episode seven of F and B Soundbites, a podcast on hot topics, trends and challenges for professionals in the food and beverage industry. I'm your host, Hamish McCook. Now if you recall, last time we started a conversation with Joelle and Bruce. They're in Singapore and they are working with Singapore government and industry um, in and around uh, creating the the gap or closing the gap for Singapore's 30 by 30 challenge, which is to be um, 30% self-sufficient for produce by 2030. Um, A great challenge and it's thrown up some really interesting problems, uh, but also there's a lot of innovation um, occurring, which, um, which is going a long way to solving it. And it seems already as they have a pathway to getting to that, to that point. Um, but now I think the conversation will move towards uh, understanding how they take the small-scale innovations and how they scale it up into something that will actually create that 30% food self-sufficiency and the other opportunities that result from that. Uh, so I hope you enjoy our, um, our podcast. Um, please enjoy, and I'll let the conversation resume.
1: What we've been seeing is that bit of that trajectory of what companies are doing. Firstly, they experiment and they basically ask themselves the question, is it doable? Is it doable in Singapore? And we've seen a variety of crops being grown. Um, Some of it are not, I guess, naturally found in, well, despite our internationally varied diet in Singapore, um, some of them are just a little bit more adventurous. Things like kale, you know, people here generally don't eat kale until quite recently. It's very hipster. And we are are also growing strawberries in um, indoor farming as well. And I think the, the... the key question for a lot of the startup farmers is they ask themselves, is, is it doable? Is it doable in an indoor uh, context? Yep. Because, um, and they've deliberately gone the high value uh, route, right? Yeah. Because, you know, it has to be sustainable for business. You know, they have to make economic sense. Well, that's um, right. You have to hmm.
0: convince some consumers to to part with their hard-earned money to buy these products as well, presumably, at some point. Yeah. So there has to be a value For the consumer, it's either lower cost or somehow um, reflects their own personal brand values more. It's providing some other sort of benefit.
1: Yeah, exactly. And so we've seen quite interesting experimentation along the high value food um, uh, types. You know, we've got crabs from Sri Lanka that are grown and stacked up. Uh, boxes, we've got strawberries. Okay. Um, yeah, strawberries grown in Singapore because most of the time when the strawberries end up in Singapore they are bruised and they're not and, quite as
0: sweet because they've had to go through that sort of the early harvest process so that
1: yeah, they yeah exactly the right color and, uh, on the shelf. Mm. So, so then there is a natural value proposition for the consumers, right? Because they you know when it arrives at the market, you know, it's probably uh, the pricing is on par with some of the imported mm. stuff. And so the question of is it sustainable from an environmental perspective, that question isn't quite answered yet.
0: Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know,
1: when you're talking about innovation and industrialization at mm-hmm. scale, that answer that answer to that question of environmental sustainability needs to be found fairly quickly because once yeah. you scale up to that level, the amount of energy used in an indoor farming um, environment would be very, very
0: significant. That's possibly okay for a start. When you create a new, new innovation, you don't have to solve all of the problems associated with it. You just have to create a breakthrough in one part and then you can resolve the other issues later. Like I imagine that the first plane that was ever flown probably wasn't the most economical or efficient or even safest, um, but it actually created a beachhead, created a, a new that others could follow. I think that's that that feels as though that's what, singapore are creating here you're 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 testing and experimenting um uh, things like vertical farming and like precision farming which uh you you don't need to solve all the problems but you just need to create enough of a a toehold for those particular niche products industries processes to make it uh, a sustainable proposition in singapore and and potentially even maybe further afield than singapore as well do you think
1: yeah, definitely. Because I think that that's been at the front of mind for a lot of the uh, economic development agencies out there, right? When they are growing, when they're growing these startups in Singapore, they are yeah. also looking at um, high value foods that they can export to the rest of the region or okay. even globally. Yeah. Mm. So they're testing a variety of foods, you know, like even. Uh, indoor insect farming. So that's oh, yes. uh, yeah, that's a huge protein source for um, our neighbors, slightly north of us, and you know, also in Thailand, Cambodia, Laos, uh, insects is part of um, everyday diet. It's pretty yeah. good, actually, cricket. I've um, never had
0: it. I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to having crickets, um, but uh, you haven't had any so far. I need yeah, to fix that, don't I?
1: Quite quite Moorish. Yeah, they're like. Yeah. Um, Potato crisps.
0: Uh And I think they've got an extremely high productivity per square metre rate as well, don't they? Yep. Yep.
1: Yep, exactly. Yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. High mm. in okay.
1: protein, doesn't take up a lot of space, doesn't mm. use a lot of um, energy or water or mm. resources to grow. So mm. insect farming, abalone, uh, yep. I mentioned crabs earlier,
2: yeah, um, kale, strawberries. Yep. Um, I, hi, Mish, yeah, I think... Just reflecting on your comment around can it work in Singapore? Yes. I think one of the big differences is here is a government that's prepared to invest in it. So yeah. naturally creating the market demand is going to be a real challenge. Yeah. you know, for those of us that are sort of living here, you walk into a typical supermarket and, and the supermarket is dominated by fresh produce that comes from outside of Singapore. And it's, you know, something that's grown in a field in Malaysia is always going to be a little bit cheaper than something that's grown in a high tech facility here in Singapore mm. with, with all the other costs. So it's a real challenge for the for the government to say. On the one hand, you know, creating the supply. How do they create the demand? Mm. And you know, there's there's a lot of hotels here, a lot of high high-end restaurants. Um, it's it's you know, it's 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 a rich environment in terms of mm. that particular True. space. But that's not enough to create the overarching demand. It has to be a situation where the average Singaporean goes into a supermarket and makes. Uh, a buying decision on the basis of growing locally. So it's good for Singapore. It's good for the planet and everything else. And it makes sense financially. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as, as, as we all mentioned, you can buy, you know, last week I got a pomegranate from South Africa or bought some grapes from Egypt. Mm-hmm get any, anywhere from well, stuff, anywhere in the that's planet. That's right.
0: It's it's actually a, the hub of um, commerce um, in, in the, the Asia-Pacific, uh, um, Indo-Asia region. It's uh, it's actually right at the the, the nub of um, the shipping lines. shipping lanes. So you're right, you're absolutely you're in, in able to access anything from around the world, really, aren't you, in Singapore?
2: Yeah, and look, I think the other thing we see is if the model can be proven here in Singapore, so do... And and let's be honest, it's going to have to be things like indoor precision farming. If that can be scaled up to the sort of levels to achieve the sort of targets, it's a model that can be replicated elsewhere. So the global trend is towards megacities. You know, people want to live in urban environments. The global trend is to try and not take any more land for agriculture. So this concept of a small island nation um, in Singapore is unlikely to be a megacity. It's just not big enough. And, and there's there's been some recent political talk around would the country ever stretch to 10 million people and I don't, I don't think that would be a good thing but if we talk around a mega city of say 20 million mm. people you know like yeah. some of its nearest neighbors this concept of urban farming is is a is a real one as cities grow so yeah. cutting down you know supply chains more efficient mm. land use bringing the food to the people without without ruining the surrounding land and vegetation and affecting you know the the planet in
0: a a negative way yeah so 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 that that sort of the ip created by creating a creating the crucible of change in singapore a government-led crucible of change where they're able to you know support um where there's externalities that are important um uh, so they are able to support the industry. So that cre- that creates a lot of intellectual property that could be yeah. a part of the next generation of billion dollar industries coming out of Singapore potentially. Is that yep. what we're we're thinking?
1: Yep. and it's um quite a holistic approach that um the Singapore government is taking, right? So it's not just inviting startups. It's not just transforming the traditional open farms. Um, It's also, um, uh, I think, providing lots of support for innovation and and research and development Mm. from from a national perspective. right? are inviting multinationals to partake in in this new and exciting world of the future of food. And and also lots of... new programs in schools that train up, you know, polytechnic students, university students on how to become an urban farmer, you know, and and um, the skills that are required. So you see that the next generation of farmers quite different from the previous, obviously, you know, very mm. um, evidence-based, scientifically driven, um, looking at what are the results coming out from the labs, how do they increase the yield. Um, and, and it's going to be the next white collar jobs, I think.
0: Oh, oh, and yeah. I'm, I'm just wondering about this, that um, with this highly controlled production um, of food, we are able to manage the inputs and outputs. Will this be better food? Uh-huh.
2: So, look, in our experience, and, and Joelle and I have done some little independent trials, it's great, because... <laughs> There is such tight control of the environment, the nutrients, the sunlight and everything else. And, you know, the, the people that do indoor precision farm talking around specific recipes, so they know exactly what's required to achieve a certain outcome. It's much much better than having food that's suffering terrible climate effects, um, pest control, um, yeah. ground conditions that have to be loaded
0: Pesticides with the, to manage the pests, the pests. and everything oh. else.
2: So um, I'd suggest to you that food that's grown in some of these farms, um, you would struggle to notice. You know you would say that, that that food tastes really well and they can engine you know you can engineer the flavor bring out the flavor in, in the food through the right combination of okay. things yep. that help yep. food grow so there is quite it's quite a you know there's obviously a real science to how to achieve things at the right level to the extent that and it's really interesting when you look at some of the technology so uh lighting conditions having multi-spectral mm. lights yep. that, um change their spectrum depending on the conditions um the the life cycle of the plant
0: really so if the plant responds
2: to a certain certain light level and a certain Mm. um spectrum at at a certain stage in its life then that can all be controlled Mm. so it's all around productivity um enhancing the quality of the food controlling the elements that achieve all those things um, so hence the word precision i think the other thing that we've ex- experienced in here and talking to some of the the people involved in the industry is the point that joel made it's going to be really hard for singapore as they move forward in terms of um you know the, the changing demographics to get people involved in traditional farming i was talking to somebody involved in in aquaculture recently and he said people don't want to go and work in Fish farms. It does. It's not a sexy job. So, moving into more high tech industries is potentially something where, and as Gerald mentioned, you know the concept of people wearing lab coats, but but more technology focused um, actually helps in terms of getting people probably a little bit more excited about it. And I and I suspect it's the same challenge we're facing in in places like New Zealand, where you know the traditional concept of farming doesn't necessarily appeal to the younger generation.
0: That's very interesting, Bruce and Joel. Um, there's a lot to unpack and to to um, to think of there so if if we if we bring that part of the conversation to draw that to a close, would you mind sharing some some final thoughts, some key messages that would be um, that you'd like our listeners to take with them um, um, after this?
2: Yeah, so um, I guess Harry the insight that we have is is that um, this country's on a, on a trajectory to achieving the outcome. Um, it has to move from the startup concept into things of scale. So that that's gonna be the significant challenge is, is scaling it up. So moving from a farming concept into industrial production. And I think that organizations that understand how to do production, how to do logistics, how to create buildings um, that support that will be, will be in the right place. Um, underpinned, of course, by modern technologies. So, you know, sensors, artificial intelligence, robotics, all that sort of stuff will be incredibly important to achieving the aims. So some really interesting challenges moving forward. But um, I, I think what I've seen so far is that um, this country certainly has the wherewithal to achieve those sort of outcomes. So it's an exciting time. Mm,
0: definitely. And Joelle, um, from Singapore, lived there, love the place. Um, what are some of the, the key thoughts that you, observations, perspectives that you've got that you think could be useful for listeners?
1: I think, um, and and I absolutely concur with um, all that Bruce has mentioned, right? Because, you know, you really do need to move from it's doable to it's scalable. Um, And having that scale requires not just innovation in a lab, but also partnership and collaboration across um, lots of different stakeholders. It's not just a startup play, it's engaging with, um, the people in the ecosystem, right? The developers, <clears throat> the master planners, the engineers and making it work because a lot of it still lies in uh, engineering and designing in a very traditional way, but for a slightly different market. Mm-hmm. So um, lots of transferable skills and learning points across other industries into this new market segment. So I think that's, that's something um, quite exciting for us observing um, this new segment, And um, as a Singaporean, looking at this new um, industry is very, very exciting. Um, Obviously, you know, Singaporeans are all foodies. So we're Mm, obviously very excited to see what kind of new and wonderful food that comes out from Singapore and and all the different um, types of combinations and ingredients. So obviously that that makes me very excited. But more than that, it's the um, opportunity that, um, urban farming, indoor precision farming, um, can bring um, mm-hmm. not only economically but from a sustainability aspect. Where right? if you look at food sustainability and and food security, and how do they, How do we bring in that mix in in our built environment? Mm-hmm. You know, urban farming as as um, as something to lower you know ambient temperature for our built environment. I think that that has a lot of potential, and yet also That's supply a, a very important need. Right, you know supplying food mm. for the people in 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 the buildings
0: yeah thank you, Joel. and um, that was fascinating. Thank you, Bruce as well. I um, it's been really interesting for me today, and we are absolutely going to get you both back um, and talk about about um, Singapore and what's going on there because this is uh, fascinating. So from my perspective i'm I'm not in Singapore, but uh, I, I look at Singapore and I'm sure and you know, many of our listeners as well would look at Singapore na- now with this understanding as um, a potential future. Powerhouse in food, and um, in crop uh, innovation and in creation. So, I, um, I I've I've learned something today, and I I hope our, our listeners have picked up one or two interesting um, aspects as well. Um, so, with that, we'll we'll bring it to a close. Um, we'll wrap it up. So, thank you very much, Bruce.
2: Yeah, excellent. No,
0: really enjoyed it. Thank you. Okay, and thanks. Thank you so much, Joelle.
1: Thank you. Thanks, Havish It was uh, it was great chat.
0: Oh, that's cool. Thank you. Um, And thank you very much to our listeners as well for joining us today. So as we draw this to a close, um, I do look forward to bringing you another episode of F&B Soundbites. Until then, as we say in New Zealand, haja and farewell.